Welcome to the Expert Speak Podcast with Michael DeLon. Each episode features a leading expert who shares helpful insights, practical tips, and memorable stories that will inspire you, educate you, and help you enjoy more success, freedom, and purpose in your life. For the next few minutes, enjoy listening to Expert Speak with Michael DeLon. And welcome to another episode of Experts Speak. I'm Michael DeLon, and today I am talking with Sharon Torek. Now, Sharon, thank you. Thank you for squeezing me into your schedule. I appreciate you taking some time with me today. Thanks. Hi, Michael. I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. Well, I'm I'm really excited, Sharon, as, as you know. Um, so for my audience, Sharon is an intellectual property and marketing law attorney. Um, she's the host of the Innovative Agency podcast, and, and as an attorney, Sharon helps business owners protect and monetize their creative assets. And, and I, I can't wait to dive into this, Sharon, because I get asked a fair amount of time about you know, intellectual property and trademarks and copyright and things because we're a publisher, right? And I can't wait for you to help me help my audience a little bit. But before we get there, tell us a little bit about Sharon and how in the world did you get to where you are today? <laughs> that's a, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I am, let's see, I'm a born and bred Cleveland, Ohio native. And okay. uh, the firm is a law firm that represents primarily marketing agencies, um, some consultancies, but we do help them protect their uh, assets and turn their intellectual property into revenue. And I am an intellectual property lawyer by training, which means that when I decided to uh, go to law school uh, and got out of law school, the first job I got was in a big law firm. And what large law firms are really good at um, is training. They're really good at getting you immersed. And um, what, they're, what they're not so great at from my perspective is getting you right in front of clients and kind of promoting an entrepreneurial mindset, at least when I was coming up um, okay. as a young professional. And so I just got paired with lawyers who um, who did intellectual property work. And I was just fascinated about, at how it blended um, culture and ideas and um, monetization all sort of into one ball of wax and particularly fell in love with trademark law. That was really my first area okay. of expertise and then copyright as well. And so as I progressed and started doing more of that work uh, and then eventually went out to launch um, my own business and I, my current firm is my third law firm. I've had other firms in the past wow. um, that were more general business, more firms that serve entrepreneurs generally. Okay. Um, but I've always remained true to uh, the IP practice, helping business owners today, marketing agencies, but traditionally up until now, um, small businesses of all stripes, helping them protect their um, original ideas, um, helping them protect their brands, um, helping them figure out how to turn ideas and content and brands into money. Uh, it's what I love to do. And over the years, got eventually more narrowed into marketing in general, and today almost exclusively marketing agencies. So what we help them do is stay on the right side of the law with marketing regulations, help them with their own IP, and help them with their clients' IP, because a lot of them are creating brands and content for their clients as well. 
So that's kind of the high level view of how we got where we are today. And um, I'm loving this iteration of our law firm because we uh, we do some very specific things for a very specific audience, which in my book is the success recipe for any small business is having that niche. Absolutely. For years, I've, I've followed Dan Kennedy and he's a marketing mm-hmm. guru and he's like, you know, riches are in niches. And a Clevelander. And, and a Clevelander, you're right. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, riches and niches and knowing that target audience and speaking their language and, and understanding. And I love what you're just doing because you've got a niche that's twofold. You've got the agencies mm-hmm. and their clients, which is great for lots of reasons, because I'm talking to my audience more than you, but mm-hmm. when you can provide an audience to your client for their client, it keeps their client tied to them, which keeps them tied to you. Yep, absolutely. Great marketing. Um, Great way to add value too, when you're selling your own services is to have access to other experts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's let's dive in and talk about IP, intellectual property, because it's something that I think a lot of small business owners really don't think much about. And mm-hmm. if we do, we think it's the the Apples, the Googles, the Dells of the world that have to deal with it. And why in the world would I ever need an IP attorney, right? right. So right. let's talk about so, some of the the basic like, ins and outs of, of ideas and, and how do you turn ideas into money? And why is it even, what what is intellectual property? And, and eventually, what's the difference between a trademark and a copyright and a... And, yeah. Just from a basic business standpoint, what, get, get us in some categories here. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I get this question a lot and, you know, over the years, done a lot of thinking about how to explain this in very business friendly terms. And what it comes down to is the, is what we call our triangle framework, really. And at the tip of the triangle, you've got um, your content. And so that is the actual stuff you're creating, um, whether you are a marketing agency or a consulting firm, or whether um, you are a book publisher or um, a widget manufacturer, it's the actual stuff you create. Um, and you know, we worked in we work in soft IP at my firm, so we don't do any patent work. But if you're the, if you're a small business that makes things, then you can layer the patent stuff on top of all this. And so basically, this is your content. And content is partic- uh, you know, traditionally protectable from a legal perspective with copyright law, sometimes with trade secret law. Um, and you have to work with your legal counsel to determine which road is right for you based on how many people are going to have access um, to seeing your work and how secret you need to keep it, right? Okay. Um, the recipe for Coke is a great example of content that you wouldn't want to copyright because you don't want it seeing the light of day, right? You don't want people having access to it. Whereas if you write a book or create a training course, um, copyright makes more sense for you because everybody's going to have access to it, see your materials, um, watch your videos, et cetera. So that's content that's sort of at the top of the triangle. Okay. Then you've got brand, and this is the way you show up in the world. These are the words, the logos, the tones, the colors, the things that sort of express your brand in a visual way, in a tactile way to the world. So your protection mechanism for that is trademark. It's um, federal registered trademarks when you have the basis for those, sometimes state registrations, uh, or maybe you just have the basis only for a trade name. So it's, it, those, are your, those are your brands. Um, that's the second point of the triangle. The third point is what I like to call transactions. And that is the contracts that you make with, or the terms and conditions you use to sell your stuff to the world, right? 
It's those terms and conditions if you're a SaaS creator, or it is a contract if you are a consulting firm um, for your services. It's the agreement that dictates the terms by which those individuals, those customers can use your intellectual property, what it's going to cost them, what the limits are to what they can do with that IP. And sometimes it refers to transactions inbound to your business. For example, we're a nation of freelancers right now. Mm -hmm. And so if you've used a freelance writer, a freelance programmer, a freelance copywriter, um, or designer to help you create any of your content, um, you're going to need a written document that reflects those terms and conditions so that you properly own that IP. So it's transactions in, transactions out. So the triangle again, content, brand, and transactions. And once you sort of think of it in that construct, it's sort of easy to see where, where your IP is and what's, what bucket it fits into. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you determine what legal strategy you use to protect it. Fascinating. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's really cool because as, as entrepreneurs, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, small business owners, they're out doing things. Many of them ha are, are uh, they're like me, an idea generating factory. Right? Mm -hmm. I come up with more ideas than I ever, ever know what to do with. Those ideas can turn into money. But. Right. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter on the idea because it's just whatever. But other times it's like, well, maybe there's a way. I don't want somebody else to grab this idea and run with it. Is, is that, is, how, where do I go? I mean, is it, do I have to hire an attorney first or is there a, does this framework help me? How, right. how do small business owners deal with those types of things? It's a smart question. And I think it really is a function of how many outsiders do you collaborate with routinely to bring your idea to market? Um, I can give you a good example of how this functions in the advertising agency world. Um, advertising or marketing agencies who do a lot of pitching to get new business, and it isn't all of them, but it's a good number of them. Um, you know, pitching is a process wherein you either respond to a request for proposal and you write a very detailed proposal about the work you would do if you're selected, or you actually have a meeting where you pitch your ideas, right? You show storyboards, you have conversations. So that's a frequent new business scenario for lots of marketing agencies, as an example. Well, what do you do to protect those ideas that you share Yeah. Um, if you're not the winning agency? Um, or similarly, what do you do if you've got a concept for a new product and you want to show it to either a manufacturer or a potential investor? Um what do you do to ensure that they don't take your idea and go down the street to another manufacturer or another um, vendor who might be able to duplicate it? So you have to kind of make a decision about how formal you want to be, about how much risk you're willing to assume in sharing your ideas. Mm -hmm. Some of this is a function of who you decide to share them with. Um, and also how formal you want to be in your approach. Um, do you need an NDA? And we're consistently advising our marketing agency clients, they need an NDA um, and not to be uncomfortable about asking for the NDA because they're usually pitching to the types of companies who have no problem shoving their NDA across the table That's right. for the agencies to sign. Um, it's a little trickier in the venture capital space. If you're looking for investors, they look at tons of deals all week. And they don't want to be bound to an NDA because they're not because they want to take your idea and run with it, but because they see too many deals and they don't want to accidentally run afoul of the NDA by 
you know, getting exposed to two very similar ideas, which can happen. So you'll have a trickier road um, with, if you're trying to raise capital with venture capital people and angel investors and the like. Um, but potential vendors, let's say you're making a product and you need a prototype. Um, absolutely, that that uh, vendor who you're using to create the prototype or who you need, you know, to contribute to the prototype or to the product development those folks should all be subject to NDA. So that's just a basic first step. How much procedure and how far are you willing, how formal are you willing to be, I should say. Um, if you're not willing to be formal, then what's your stomach for risk? You know, what is your risk tolerance? Um, is, if, if, it's, if you're a roll the dice kind of a person and it's more important to you to get that partner or that investor than it is um, to possibly have your idea exposed to someone who might you know, do the wrong thing with it, yeah. then, you know, that's a business decision for every business owner to make. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's interesting that, you know, in, in, in my world, as I'm working with entrepreneurs, you know, creating books and, and ideas and frameworks, you've got a, you've got a triangle framework, right? Mm -hmm. It's unique to you. Do you yeah. have it copyrighted trademark? Do you need that? Because I work with a lot of, um, let's say a financial advisor, who has a unique process that they work with people on and, mm -hmm. and they've kind of named it. Yeah. Do, do they need, need, need maybe the wrong word because we don't want to give legal counsel, but I mean, is that something that they need to think about? Or is it the fact that if you're in, who's. Yeah, it's a fair question. You know, I can, I guess I can answer that in the form of an experience share. There you go. There you go. We have a lot of um, marketing agencies who do have proprietary processes for yeah. the way that they either analyze a client marketing problem or for the service they provide. In some cases, yes, those, those are the basis of excellent trademarks. Um, you have to, I don't want to get two in yeah. the weeds here or two inside baseball, but the trademark office to register your trademark, at least at the federal level, is not going to register a mark that only brands a process or a system. It has to be the brand under which you sell something. So um, what we do is work with our, our clients to ensure that the, the tagline or the brand name that they're using um, to model their process or whatever, also that they're also going to market with that and yes. providing the service under that brand. Otherwise, they won't qualify for a trademark. So okay. Um, in some cases, yes, you can get trademarks and and at a minimum, you might have a common law trademark that might not be registrable, but yeah. um, you want to keep tabs on uh, regularly to make sure that it's attributed to you, right? Since you yeah. created it. Um, I know a lot of your clients uh, are authors and they publish yes. books. So um, it's not possible to trademark the title of a single book. It is possible to trademark the title of a, a book series. Yes. So food for thought. Um, if you're thinking of a multi-part, you know, set of volumes that go into different aspects of a, a area of discipline. Um, so it just depends on, and it depends on, um, you know, you've, I, you and I have had prior conversations about for most small business owners, you've got to go through not only the legal analysis, but the financial and business analysis of is it worth it? And, you know, to folks who are kind of thinking, do I need to do this? Is it really important? I would think about what it would mean for your business if you didn't take the step and if the work was somehow used by someone else for profit. Yeah. Um, how likely is that scenario? Maybe it's very likely. Maybe it's not very likely. 
um, are, are you first to market? And if you are first to market, how important is it that you put that stake in the ground um, and very clearly sew up your rights so that no one can come after you, uh, no one can go to market after you go to market without you somehow benefiting financially from that. So right. you kind of have to not only look at the legal analysis, which a, legal, a lawyer should help you do, but also just a, a, as a sensible business person, you know, what's my risk if I don't do this now? Um, do I ever need to do this? And what's really important to me as a business? Right. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, we can go in so many different areas, but here's where I want to drive into is the, um, here's what scares a lot of small business owners away from hiring somebody like you is yeah. the cost of doing this. And what I want to, what I want to challenge people with is no, no, the, the fee to, to have that conversation or, or, or to get things set up is really the peace of mind knowing that you protected yourself. Mm -hmm. So case in point, we hired an attorney to help us with our agreement a number mm -hmm. of years ago. And it was last fall that we had an issue with a client who came back to us and we had dialogue back and forth and we came kind of to an impasse and we went back to our attorney for clarification and he came back and he said, nope, you're on legal ground. You're, you're perfectly, that's mm -hmm. why we did it the way we did it. Whew. Yeah. Had I not paid the money up front years ago to have it written by an attorney, I would have been toast and I would have had to pay probably more money and said, right. Mm -hmm. So going back to this, I think a business owner, so many times we look at IP and all this and go, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe not. It's probably worth some money to, to have a conversation, to get some counsel one-on-one -on -one to go, here's my situation, Sharon, for mm -hmm. if you're, especially if you're an agency, yeah. um, creating brands for other companies and, and getting ideas out there are those your is that your intellectual property right or is it theirs yeah. right that, that's all part of what how you help agencies specifically but right. even their clients is am i right yeah you know i <laughs> what do they say in boxing everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it is sometimes challenging to have the conversation with an agency owner or any business owner who's been, you know, have been blessed to never have been challenged or to never have had um, fallout from or misuse of their IP. Um, and to them, I would say, I'm glad for you. Um, but be honest with yourself about your true risk tolerance. Yes, uh, yes. Because the longer you go without something haven't gone sideways, the more risk you're assuming. And so just be open, honest with yourself about that. If you're comfortable with that, or if you don't think the risk is high, then that's a perfectly respectable business decision, yeah. you know, for you to make. Just realize that you're going to, your cleanup is going to be more expensive than your prevention. I guess that would be the, the biggest message. Um, brilliant. Brilliantly <laughs> yeah. said. No, that that's awesome because- the time, the effort, the energy, the loss of sleep, because when you start getting into a battle like that, yeah, you're, you're in, you're in quicksand for a business owner because I'm not an attorney. I don't understand the law. Yeah. And, well, um, yeah. And I'm not in the business of proving the existence or the absence of a negative. Right. You just, right. you can't, can, I, I think that as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we all are, mature enough to make our own, or we should be yeah. mature enough to make our own decisions about how we invest our resources and how much risk we're willing to assume. Um, 
and you know and be respected for those choices but also be responsible for how they play out and so uh, you know i would say it's it's always good money invested to at least do an assessment of what you have and at least understand your risk because i think a lot of folks are not so much not so much in the camp of having a high tolerance for it as they don't really understand the risk that they're I've had, you know, I had a conversation one time after I do a fair amount of speaking at conferences where agency owners are and came up to me afterwards and we were chatting and he said, you know, I don't really, because I do a lot of talking about the contracts, the transactions between agencies and their clients. And there's a very large IP component to those transactions. So that's, that's always a component of the conversation. And he said, you know, I don't really believe in contracts with our clients. I said, oh, really? I, and he said, no, I, he said, I, I think if a client is unhappy with us, um, then, and they, they should have the freedom to part ways with us and go, I said, okay, fair enough. I said, so what, how do you know what the work is that you've been engaged to do? Um, and how do you know what they're going to pay you for the work that you've been engaged Oh, we have a written, we have a written statement of work in terms of condition. <laughs> as a, so there's a contract. I yeah. said, so I don't care what you call it, but um, IP is one of those areas where I will say um, on the transaction aspect of the triangle, a lot of us use people to help create our IP when we're small businesses. And without documenting those relationships carefully and the ownership of the IP that's created, you can pay to have IP created for you that you end up not owning. Yeah. Even if you've, even if the money has changed hands. And so this is one way where small business owners are assuming way more risk than they really understand because yeah. I paid for it. It should be mine. That's commercially reasonable. And it is commercially reasonable. It's just not the way the copyright <laughs> law works in the United States or in any Western, you know, country. Right. So, you know, just pay to have your risk yeah. assessed at a minimum. And then, you know, you can decide whether or not to execute on the recommendations that that legal counsel makes for you, um, but at least understand where you stand, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, before you make any decisions about how to invest your money. And I understand that legal fees can feel overwhelming um, to small business owners, especially in those early days. So I think doing the assessment and the triage helps you understand what's most important to me, where am I willing um, to take a risk? and how do I prepare for making that investment when it's time to make that investment? Yeah, no, I think that's very wise. It's it's probably not for for most people that you work with. It's probably not a one call close, as we say, right? It's probably a conversation, and yeah, and that that's where it needs to be because yeah. it's there's there are a lot of nuances in in what you do and with IP and all of that. And I may come to you and and think I have seven things I need to protect. And as we talk and discuss, you might say. You know what, Michael? Really, two of these are really what you need to focus on. The others, yeah, you're okay with. Or oh, well, that's okay. That's nice to know. All of that because it's it's just an error. I mean, law is one of those areas that it's a rat maze to those of us who aren't in it, mm -hmm. and it scares most of us enough um, that we don't do it. Going back to your at, yeah. at least look into it. It's like, you know, one of my, one of my pet peeves, and I'm not even in this industry is, is having enough life insurance on the husband to cover the family in case something happens. Well, nothing's ever going to happen to me. Really? <laughs> Can we at least protect your family? But it's that same conversation of, all right, let's have the conversation and I'll respect whatever you decide, but 
don't yeah. decide without having a conversation. Right, exactly. I mean, you should have the assessment and also understand that um, at the end of the day in the entrepreneurial world, what you put out into the world ultimately is a multi-layered creation. Yeah. It, some of it derived from your own business. Some of it derived maybe from your client or customer. Some of it derived from your employees, some from your contractors. And so it's all over the place. And so knowing who owns what and who has the right to profit from it. Uh, and then also who owns your brands and how you present yourself to the world. Um, those are all decisions that need you need to plant the seeds for those early yeah. so that um, you don't go down a path that you can't turn back from um, without spending a lot of money and time. Absolutely. because that's, that, that's my focus is a proactive one. I think, and I think that's brilliant. And I love that because that really comes alongside of, of business owners and entrepreneurs to say, help me do this without me having to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And because business owners, I mean, we're busy. We're, we're, we're trying to make things happen in our business. The last thing I want to do is take four hours a week to try to sift through some contracts or whatever, to try to figure out, no, don't do that. Call Sharon, <laughs> have her and her team figure it out for you, with you, have a conversation, um, especially if you're an agency owner listening yeah. to this, reach out and, and start a conversation and learn. Yeah. And I, you know, I would say to the marketing agency owners out there listening, IP is your number one most significant asset in your, after your people, I, I would say it's your number two, yeah. your people are your first. But you are not an, an you are not a warehouse of hours and time and materials. You are an IP creation machine, and that's why your clients come to you. Any result you achieve for them is a result of the IP that you create, and then you have your own proprietary IP. And I'm speaking to agency owners, but really any small business who has customers is sort of similarly situated. So. Um, it is your, it's your biggest asset. Um, think about it with that much gravity, give it that much weight in your business in terms of your, you know, your protection strategy and your business planning. Yeah. I, I think that's brilliant, uh, Sharon. Thank you. Because that's, that's one aspect that many, many, many business owners just never think of, but yeah. it has such great value, and especially as you're thinking long-term to, to transition out of your business, to sell your business, that becomes an asset, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you don't want to be in the business, if you're in a service business, particularly, um, I'm talking to you consulting firms or, you know, you accounting firms or even other law firms, if you don't want to be in the business of, you know, selling time forever, then creating once and selling multiple times is the scaling play yeah. for you. And to scale by productizing your service you need an IP protection strategy. Um, you do because you need to be thinking through what is the what's the margin here, what what is the business model, and what is the IP revenue um, creation machine that's going to fulfill the business model, and how do I protect it? How do I protect what I've created and I'm I'm, I'm spreading out to multiple parties yeah, um, yeah. who are all receiving the same thing. Yeah, I think I think that's brilliant. There, there's so much here we could talk for hours probably because I have all kinds of questions I haven't even asked yet but yeah <laughs> we're gonna hold that for another day <laughs> okay um how, how all right so this has been intriguing for me I'm sure some other people are intrigued about it how do they get in touch with you if they just want to take a next step Wh where should they go 
Yeah, I'd be happy to talk to all of you. Um, uh, LinkedIn is a great place to reach me. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm constantly checking out my messages and putting fresh content out there. Um, our website has a lot of great content um, about marketing legal and IP legal issues. That's legalandcreative.com. And um, I'd love to see you at either place. That's awesome. I'll, I'll oh, and check out my, oh, and I've, I didn't mention the podcast. What's the matter with me? I'm on your podcast. And I didn't <laughs> mention the Innovative Agency, wherever you listen to podcasts. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of great conversations with lots of really smart people um, about the marketing and agency world. So that's another place. Okay. I will make sure that to capture those, put those in the show notes for you. Uh, so if you're listening to it and you can't get them, go to the show notes, you can click on those links and uh, reach out to Sharon Torrett and have a discussion around IP, marketing, thoughts, ideas, uh, because they're probably, they might be worth more than you think they are. And mm -hmm. she's there to help protect you and your business and your family. So uh, Sharon, thank you. This has been an intriguing, very fascinating conversation. I've loved this. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on the show. You are so welcome. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Expert Speak with Michael DeLon. If what you've heard today was helpful to you, reach out to our expert guest and see how they can serve you to bring you more success, freedom, and purpose in your life.